Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. I always want, I want like a drum roll or something. We're back. (laughs) We're back. After the weekend, I bet that my mom and your mom, who are probably the only two people streaming this right now, missed us over the weekend. I think it's been three whole days. Yeah. Welcome back to The Future Belongs to Creators. Uh, I'm Barry Brooks. This is Nathan Barry. We're your co-hosts. And we're going to get right into it with a little red, yellow, green. Nathan, how you doing? Um, I had a great weekend, so that made me green. But then there's just like a bunch of little things going on that honestly have me solidly yellow. So some house projects that could have been going better and now are going poorly. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. Sometimes when you hire people to do projects for you, it, it doesn't work out. And we're in the middle of one of those. Um, you know, and I think it's setting in how at work we're going to not be getting a lot done. Like we need to reset some expectations there. And even for myself of like, oh, I think today might be a half day. I'm getting some of those vibes from from myself. But then there's lots of things that are good <laughs> going on. <laughs> oh, man. You know, like one thing that has me really excited is, uh, as you mentioned on Friday, we launched or upgraded our free plan considerably for all the new creators getting started right now to go to 500, five, I almost said 500,000. Um, I think this has me going in like, uh, exponential giant numbers, this whole pandemic thing. But, uh, anyway, we bumped it up to be 500, uh, subscribers for free. And it's been fun to see the numbers coming in. We normally get, you know, between three to four, we're going to say two to 500 new free accounts a day. And over the weekend, which is normally really slow, we've been getting 750, 800 new free accounts. So we're really excited about the number of people that are taking us up on that and see where that goes. What about you? Um, let's see. I mean, yeah, yellow seems like the kind of normal right now. Normally I'm pretty green, but yeah, we had a pretty busy weekend around here. And by that, I mean, we made ourselves busy with a nice to-do list of things to do around the house, keep it nice and clean and put together. My father-in-law has been working out of the house this whole time until his office finally shut on Friday, which I'm really happy about because cases are starting to grow here locally. Um, So we got him home now, but we had to make a quick trip to Ikea and get another office set up. So we now have three human beings all working like all day long from home. We basically run an office here. So that's exciting. Um, took all my plants outside and watered them. I'm a plant person, which we'll get into when we do our little business ideas episode tomorrow. Yeah, put a whiteboard up in my office. Just like random stuff to keep my mind off of things, uh, which is nice. Read some. I got a new Kindle. A paper white. So now when my child is asleep in my bedroom, um, I can read in the dark instead of nice. not reading at night. So I got a lot to be thankful for. Um, but I'm yellow. You know, there's just a lot on my mind. I am very excited, though, about the number of people signing up to the free plan and all of the people we're going to be able to help get started during this kind of odd time. Um, let's do our mandatory check-in on what's going on in the world. I said when we when, when you and I hopped on for a little pregame, I was like, yeah, there's like 33,000 cases in the U.S. right now. I'm like, um, hmm, I don't think that's true. And I went to correct it because I knew that I knew there'd be 35,000 cases in the US. And so I refreshed the number because I was like, let me just, it's got to be 36 by now. Nope. It's 41.5. So that's growing like crazy. Other things going on. Uh, the Olympics are officially 
postponed till an unknown time next year, I guess. Oh man. Interesting times. I don't know what else what are the numbers. Italy is climbing like crazy. I did notice on our, uh, coronavirus dashboard, thanks to Johns Hopkins, that they've removed the line that showed how many China was. Cause it used to be like China was way up here and everybody else is way down below. And then we blew past it like crazy. Anyway, fascinating thing that I was thinking about on that graph. Now it's totally an S curve. Like you read about in business and everything else, how there's always these things aren't perfect linear. They're not perfect hockey sticks or whatever. They're always stacked S curves. And so it's interesting to look at these coronavirus numbers as stacked S curves. Yes. It's not the S curve you'd hope to see. No. Also a listener just pointed out that while my mic is registering my sound on my computer, it's not through the recording. So I'm going to disappear from the screen real quick and you're going to introduce the topic oh, while I just plug in my mic and I'll be right back. Ah, good call. Good call. Um, okay. Well, so I'm glad, uh, somebody pointed that out that, uh, oh, thank you, Emily, for pointing that out. Glad Barrett was paying attention to the chat. Um, all right. So what we are talking about today is a blog post that I wrote, um, back in September called the ladders of wealth creation. And if you want to check that out, I will drop a link in the chat. Okay. So here's how we're going to approach this thing today. We're going to do a little interview style because, um, really this is, this originated from your brain and it's something that I definitely believe in, but, um, I think maybe me asking you questions and you kind of sharing your perspective might be the most productive thing. So you kind of kick the post off with a little bit of an intro about making money as a skill and you first hearing that from Jason Freed, but there's a little bit more to that story in terms of why that mattered to you. And I thought maybe you could just kind of share whatever you, whatever version of this you want to share about why making money as a skill was important to you early in your career and why it's continued to be important over time. Yeah, that's a good question. So, and it ties into why everyone at ConvertKit has these little plaques on their desk that says we exist to help creators earn a living. For me growing up, money was always a point of contention, specifically the lack of money. So uh, my, dra- my dad ran a Christian ministry, um, like a, a Christian bookstore and then like a college ministry. And so our money always came from donations and supporters and, and that kind of thing. So there wasn't much of it. And over time, you know, I just kind of grew up with somewhat of this, like, uh, spending a lot of time with scarcity in this way. But I also got to see that it didn't always get handled super well. So like, you know, a lack of money causes a lot of stress. And and that was something that I saw play out both in our family, you know, dynamics between my parents and us kids, but then also between my parents. And so I always had this idea of like, okay, when I grow up, I'm going to, I'm going to make money. I actually didn't think of it as a skill then, but I'm going to, however possible, I'm going to make money so that like, you know, a decade from now or whatever, when I'm married, I won't be fighting with my wife over money. And so eventually, you know, my parents divorced uh, when I was 18 or 19. And that just became very ingrained in me of like, okay, there's a whole line of stress that comes from a lack of money. And if I can get good at making money, and that's where Jason Fried came in saying, Hey, making money is a skill, just like anything else. I was like, great. If that's a skill, I'm going to get really, really good at it. And uh, then I'll make sure that I don't have that, that particular problem. So that was kind of the driving force for me. And uh, yeah, like, well, a lot of people spend a lot of time, you know, maybe learning to play the drums or 
uh, playing sports or something else, I learned how to make money. Yeah, I love that. I remember when you shared that story with um, the team at one of our team retreats. It was actually news to me, which is surprising because I feel like we know a lot about each other's lives. And uh, it made so much sense to me. It resonated really deeply. I think it's really easy when money comes up for people to kind of like want to put it away or not talk about it or turn the other way or even assume negative things about the person talking about it. Like, oh, they must be greedy or right. whatever stories we tell ourselves. Money mindset is just like a really big thing that affects us in a capitalistic society. Money matters. Um, that's the reality of it. And so uh, one of the things I loved about this post was you kind of give this framework for Here's what I've learned about building the skill of making money and how you can make that easier on yourself over time, essentially, how you can make it more efficient for you to earn money over time and as you get better at it. So you kind of give these four rungs of the ladder, we'll call it, um, or four categories on the ladder. You have time for money, having a services business, productizing your services and then selling products. So maybe we'll go through each one of those kind of categories and you can share why it comes first and then how you break out of that into the next one. So the first one is kind of time for money. This is that classic, uh, don't trade your time for money advice that a lot of people hear, but actually it's a really productive place to start. Uh, why? Yeah. Well, I think when people say don't trade time for money, I remember when I first heard that I was like, uh, okay, what am I supposed to trade for money then? I don't, I, I don't know. Um, because that's where you have to start. Like your time is, is what you have. So whether it's, you know, mowing lawns or, um, pet sitting or anything else of how you might make money starting out, like trading time for money is a great way to do that. And a lot of people just stay in this particular ladder. Like that's a very normal thing to do where the bottom rung, we have an hourly job, um, working for a company. So my first like official job where I got a W2 was working at Wendy's. And then as you move up that ladder, right, you have a salary working for a company and there's a long, like there's a huge range in that ladder. You could go from making just um, $5 and 75 cents an hour working at Wendy's up to, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, or there's even salaried positions that go up to, you know, a million dollars a year or more for like really high end um, positions. And so that's where everybody starts. And you just have to realize that that's, that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to get into building wealth, you need to start thinking about this in other terms. And that's where, you know, we get into um, moving ladders and some of those other things. And kind of another lesson um, that's important is you can jump from any place to anywhere else. You just have to realize there's a ton of a ton of individual lessons and skills you have to accumulate along the way. And so if you follow this gradual progression, it's going to be the, the easiest and the most um, linear. So for example, time for money, right? You're just doing what you're told. Someone's saying, do this project and you implement that at varying levels of skill. But as you get into like running your own service business, whether that is your own lawn mowing company or you know running a freelance agency or something like that, as you get into that, right, you have to have taxes figured out. You have to have invoicing. You like, there's a lot of things that are hard to do when you're just starting out that once you learn them, you're like, oh, it's easy. This is what you use to fire off an invoice. Like registering with the secretary of state for an LLC, no problem. I can take care of that. But when you don't know it, it's super, super overwhelming. And so as you work up this, there's kind of that, that whole range there. Yeah. And the other complicated piece there is that it can be easy to get lost in some of those things. You know, the, the like, work about work as opposed to the actual making of money. 
And I think that's some of the places people can get lost. It's like registering an LLC, for example, maybe that takes weeks the first time you do it. And now you've spent weeks doing that instead of actually running the business that is intended to be the LLC. The other thing that um, there's another kind of uh, tangentially related article out there. I want to say Jason Zook wrote it, but I'll have to go look it up and I'll put it in the show notes um, about kind of, he has a graph of how to make money and what, which ways are harder and all of that. But one of the key points the author makes is the more like you're having a job, your business can be early on, the easier the transition is. And so to, you know, kind of what you highlighted is the fewer new skills or kind of composite abilities that go into running a different kind of business, the easier it's going to be to make that transition. And so instead of jumping right all the way into running a software business, if you never run any business whatsoever, maybe you start with something more like a freelancer services business where you are still trading time for money, but you can charge more for every hour that you spend on it versus having a job. And you can start to build some of those component skills that go into it. And I think both of our careers kind of show that progression as well of how it's, we've kind of eased our, yes, we're running a company that's bigger than anything we've ever done, but we eased our way into that by, by running bigger and bigger teams and companies over time. Yeah, exactly. So let's take uh, sales as a skill, for example, time for money. I only have to make one sale, right? In this case, if we're on that first ladder, I just need to convince you to hire me as an employee and, and I'm set after that, I just do the work. Right, service business of some sort, I have a bunch of clients. So I need to convince you to hire me to do this web design job and I need to convince the next person and the next person. And like, I have to get better at that sales part of it. Otherwise, I'm going to not have more work coming in. And so if we jump all the way over and we go into selling products, I can't sell it one-to-one. If I'm selling a WordPress theme or an iPhone app or anything else, there's a totally different set of skills that I need to have there. Of I need to be able to make that sale without talking to you. And that's a hard thing to do. So I went from having to sell one time to having to sell, you know, every single month to now I have to make sales without talking to somebody. Like we have to have copywriting. We have to have a website. Like that is a huge leap. And so that's why in this ladder, I, uh, I've added another step in there of productized services. Cause that's how a lot of people have bridged this gap where they're like, okay, I've gotten some pretty good selling every month and doing that face to face. And so now I'm going to transition that and tweak it a little bit where I make 70%, 80% of my sale from a marketing site, from um, copy. I can still get on the phone to close it, but I can bridge that gap. And so I can practice building a site, writing copy and all of that without having to go all the way where I'm relying on it 100%. Yeah. And one of the best examples of this um, that we've seen is, is a guy named Brennan Dunn. He's a customer of ours, a friend of ours. And he teaches a lot of this kind of selling of productized services, especially through email. Uh, which makes sense, but we would know him. Yes. And he does a great job of essentially creating demand for, or teaching you to create demand for productized services through automated email so that you build, you essentially learn to see patterns and what it is that people need from you. So if you run a services business for long enough, you end up seeing the common problems that people tend to share when you're offering this kind of service. And all you do is you package it up, you put a price tag on it, you have a system for delivering what they need and it's very efficient. You can get through a lot more of that than like a custom website design for every single person that you serve. Maybe a lot of people just need a three-page website and you kind of know the basics there. And the key difference there is that you have packages that are defined that have a price tag and you can automate a lot of that 
what some people would refer to as lead generation or basically drumming up interest out there in the world for what you're offering through a website, through email marketing, through social media, so that you're not having to go out and one-on-one call or email or whatever a million people just to get a sale. So you go from time for money, if you have services, so this is kind of like a typical freelance business. There's a bunch of different versions of that that we could talk about. And then you go to productized services. So what are the key, um, I guess we talked about some of the changes, but I guess what makes a productized service business successful? Like how do you know when you're ready to make that transition from services to productized services? Yeah, I think some of the things that I would look for is customers asking you for a lot of like very similar services where some of the the websites that you're building or the consultations that you're doing are pretty similar. Uh, another thing would be if you're at the starting to get higher and higher in price and you have a lot of people coming to you and they're saying, this is great, but do you have a lower priced version of that? And you're like, no, we only do custom, I don't know, custom tiny house designs that are uh, like at this really high end. And they're like, well, but I just have some of these questions. Can you help me with it? So you're okay. Well, let's add a productized service where we do a two-hour consulting call for $500 or $300 or something where we'll talk you through all the decisions you have to make and stuff like that. That's not that hard compared to a big custom project. I can show up for two or three hours and I can make them buy that. So it's like, is there a lightweight version of what you're offering that you could package up and deliver consistently? So those are where I would start is like what people are asking for consistently. And then like, if there's a lightweight version of it. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I think uh, two things come to mind for me. And one of them is, it starts getting into the products that we're going to talk about in a minute. But some people actually stay in the services side forever. And so examples of that I think about are like high-end photographers or fashion designers or or even musicians, you know, uh, might enjoy being in that kind of like services mindset where they're being present in order to make their money. And so there's this class of people that never leave that stage. But a lot of times they add these other things to the business while they continue to be kind of the star in high demand, getting paid a lot of money for those one-to-one services that we talked about before. Because the magic is actually the more you add these other rungs of the ladder to your business, the higher the prices you can charge for your own time which can make it more and more worth it for you to continue doing those services. And it can make the customers you work with more and more interesting because you can tailor it to only saying yes to the people you most care about or want to work with versus needing the money every time someone comes to you. Yeah. As you're looking at your business or any of the activities, I would just say when I finish this project or whatever else, what's going to continue to add value for me? Um, So if you think about, I don't know, this like hamster wheel or treadmill treadmill of earning money that we're on. And when you step off of it, how many rotations is that going to do on its own? And often, if you think about it, if you're just trading time for money, it's it's not going to do any um, at the moment you step off. But as you get into productized services, like, okay, there's some momentum there. Maybe there's some traffic to a website, um, some of those things. But then as you get into products, it might have even more where you're like, okay, I did this project for somebody, but now I have this byproduct that's mine. So like the musician might purely be performing live, but then they get that first album out and they might not sell very many, but now they're making a little bit of money even when they're not on stage or you know, not on tour. Yeah, exactly. That's why you see a lot of artists going to merchandise stores where they've got 
gear or just branded t-shirts or bags or whatever that helps them make a little bit more money beyond just performing. Um, another example of this is, uh, this will actually be, get into my creator of the day as well, but um, National Geographic photographers, a lot of times they will go on assignment and be paid for that, right? They'll go out into the world, into nature, wherever, and they'll photograph something. And many of them retain rights to at least a portion of their photos. And so they are both getting paid by the magazine to film or record story or film or photograph stories. And then they have all of these assets that they can use. And so some of them end up creating art businesses um, where they're doing limited edition runs of some of their most iconic photos, um, turning those into photography books and other things like that. So they're taking the work they're getting paid for over here and they're turning it into a product over here that has lasting value. Another example of this is our friend um, Rafal, who has a product called Design Kit. I think Design Kit for Figma, which is kind of a a framework basically for doing layouts within Figma. And I would imagine, I don't know this for a fact, you might, Nathan, but I would imagine that that was a byproduct of him seeing some of the challenges some of his clients have faced in the past or some of the things that people struggle with when creating layouts in Figma. And so that's a really smart way to take the work you're already doing and turn it into something that can make money over time. Yeah, and and he basically took this byproduct and, and went and sold it, which is something that the guys at Basecamp talk about as well. But he, you know, he made these tools for himself in Figma so he could design faster and, and not waste time. And then he went, okay, if I put in the extra time and package this up, it'll be really useful to other designers. Uh, another example of this that I actually did early in my career, and I don't think this is something maybe I've ever really talked about, a little inside scoop. With the first big design project that I got, it was design and development. And this is what got me to drop out of college because I was like, yes, I can make money at this now. Is It was a $10,000 project to build a web application to do scheduling for sign language interpreters who needed to show up to, uh, you know, doctor's appointments or, um, school or whatever else. So it was helped coordinate all these freelancers for this, uh, agency in Sacramento. And I bid the job. I don't remember exactly what I bid it at, but it was more than they wanted to pay. And so we're like trying to figure out how we can fit it within budget. And I asked them, I said, okay, what if you own all the rights to this, right? Because it's work for hire, but I own all the rights to a copy of it and I can turn this into a SaaS application and sell it to more companies. And they said, ah, okay, you just can't sell it to any other agency in Sacramento. Sold, perfect. And so they got a discount on building that product. And then I actually got to start my first SaaS application and have a customer pay for it. And so once that built out, I didn't do a ton with it, but I ended up getting probably five more customers with it and building it up to a nice little recurring revenue business. So it was, you know, taking something that I was doing one off and turning into something that I could sell on repeat. Yeah. Which is kind of like the ultimate expression of this wealth creation thing is if you can actually find a product that people will pay for over and over and over, like ConvertKit, that creates the steady stream of income where you get a lot of baseline metrics that tell you that really you can expect to make the same or more money month after month after month after month. Yep. So we're running out of time. We need to get into creator of the day and uh, resources of the day. But if you want to dig into this topic more, nathanberry.com slash wealth dash creation. You can search it online as well. It came up for me right at the top when I searched for the ladders of wealth creation. Definitely dig in on that. And then if you have questions about it, tweet us and we can answer them on our Friday episode, which is always going to be Q&A going forward. Sounds good. All right. Let's get into creators of the day. You first. 
Okay. Uh, my creator is Dan Petty, uh, Dan with two N's. Uh, he's a fantastic designer. You can check out his newsletter. He does a bunch of filmmaking as well. So he has this great mix of like building an audience, um, hosting a great newsletter and shooting films and, and all of that. So we actually hired him to do a bunch of designs for ConvertKit landing pages, specifically for filmmakers and, and designers. So we're really excited about that. Um, but check him out, danpetty.com and uh, subscribe to his newsletter. He's got some really great stuff. Yes. Uh, I love Dan and it seems like we have a growing relationship between ConvertKit and Dan, which is exciting. Um, my creator of the day is, uh, someone that I'm sure our team will, will tire up eventually, but my goal is if I talk about him enough, eventually he'll become a customer. So, uh, Paul Nicklin is a national geographic photographer. He's one of the first ones I followed on Instagram, um, had to, to Instagram, uh, national geographic photographers because they national geographic does a great job of letting you know who their photographers are. And I found this whole network of people. And now my Instagram is basically just like animals and mountains. And it's the most soothing, wonderful place to go instead of like, I don't know, judgmental or weird stuff that people talk about on Instagram that stresses them out. Instagram is like my escape. Anyways, Paul Nicklin's one reason, incredible photographer. He's had a long-term career in this stuff, started from the very bottom of the industry and just like worked his ass off to get where he is today. But he sells some of his photography in the form of fine art in a gallery in New York. He's got a couple of photography books, and he continues to go out on assignment for National Geographic in addition to running uh, a foundation to protect um, the oceans around the world. Big fan of him. Follow him on Instagram or check him out at paulnicklin.com. Nice. Good stuff. I like that idea of uh, everyone complains about Instagram like causing all these issues. And it's like, well, it's just, it's actually who you choose to follow. So I like that idea of you flipping through Instagram and it just being animals and nature. And you're like, Oh, you're right. I do need to get out for a hike instead of, you know, ending up with body image issues or something else. Yeah, totally. That's good. Um, all right. Resource of the day was a book I've been reading. Um, I was not going to read this book because I looked at it on audible and it said it was 36 hours long and that's more than I wanted to get involved with, but the book is snowball. It's Warren Buffett's biography. It's pretty fitting for talking about the ladders of wealth creation. And the book's actually really, really good. I've been thoroughly enjoying it about halfway through. Um, but if you want to learn more about Warren Buffett, the way he thinks, the way he invests, all of that, um, it's been a good mindset book for me and I'm excited to, to finish it. And it's one of those books that, you know, it's just the story of his life. So it's really easy listening. Uh, great for, you know, building a tiny house or doing yard work. Yep, exactly. I've listened to a couple of 40-ish hour long biographies and they're a commitment. That is for sure. I can get through an eight hour book in about a week, but a 40 hour book takes at least a month of real commitment to, uh, yeah. to make it happen. 1.75 speed definitely helps, but I, yeah. I can't, can, what, what speed do you listen on? It changes for me. I go 1.5. Okay. Some books I can push to 1.75. I can never do... 2x. Some people talk about how they only do that and it would just be noise to me. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Uh, my resource of the day is the Ship It Journal from Seth Godin. Uh, I thought this would actually be the perfect time to share this because it is a fantastic resource for having a project in mind. And as we enter into tomorrow's episode, it could actually be a really good time to have this um, for having a project in mind in your head and having a dedicated resource to sit down and fill out every lineup in order to plan that project so that you actually get it out the door. 
I found it to be a really productive, uh, he calls it the ship it journal, really productive way to kick off any big project, especially the ones that feel kind of scary because you care a lot about them. So if you're thinking about starting a project during this time of quarantine and social distancing, I think it could be a really great resource for uh, jumping in, planning and getting going. Nice. I like that. Yeah. And tomorrow we're going to be diving into a whole bunch of different uh, project ideas and, and all of that for everyone getting started. So that'll be good. Well, uh, as we wrap up, I want to leave with one closing thought. This actually comes from the book Snowball. Uh, listening to that. And it comes from Char- uh, Charlie Munger, who's Warren Buffett's partner. And he talked about when he was a, an attorney in LA, you know, he was making $20 an hour or something, which I imagine back then it was actually a decent salary. Uh, but he realized that he was not going to get rich or build wealth off of doing that. And so he had this idea, he was billing out all of his time to clients and he thought, you know what, if I'm going to build wealth, I need to do something where I'm selling myself one hour a day, like treating myself as a client. And so, yep, I'll spend, you know, seven, eight, whatever hours working for clients. And then I am just one more of these clients that is demanding one hour a day and not just me specifically, but my projects in order to build wealth. So what he did in those early days is, he got into real estate investing and, and some of those things, but really spending a lot of time learning what to do. So that's what I would leave as a closing thought. Like if you're doing work for clients right now, sign up as another client yourself and uh, be a little bit demanding. Say, nope, I need at least one hour a day um, for these you know, wealth building projects, whether it's getting an audience going or turning something into a product as service or a product, but something that's going to be a couple rungs further along in the ladder and get you to that place where you can start to build wealth. Love that. Great thought to end on. Stay home, stay safe, take care of yourself, get good sleep, uh, enjoy the time with family, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.